Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by nobody because it is Monday and even while we are doing the season reviews, we are still relying on questions from you guys. And as that is the case, I am basically joined by you guys in the studio. Yes, that's right. You are in my house. You are in this cramped little studio that I kind of designed for myself having a conversation here with me by way of the questions that you sent in to iTunes. Shouts to you guys for once again sending those things in. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And by the way, we are, I'm as I'm recording this, we are at 499 reviews. Or that's insane, for one thing. But it also gives you the opportunity to be lucky number 500. And speaking of 500... We're getting kind of sort of close to our 500th episode of the Locked on Lakers podcast. So I'm going to try to figure out a few things that that we should do uh, for that show. Maybe a couple guests here and there. We'll see. But but again, I I wouldn't be able to have done all of this without your guys' support, without the incredible progress that the the network has made as a whole. Uh, So I'm hugely, hugely grateful for all of that. Uh, enough of that stuff, though. Let's talk about the Lakers, and we have quite a few questions to get here, get to here. Uh, I'm going to tell a funny story about where I was when the LeBron <laughs> James announcement went through. Uh, a question here about Kyle Kuzma or Josh Hart. Uh, we have some stuff about another question about Julius Randle and and why he may not have he may not be on the team anymore. I'm counting about. 12 questions that I have to get to. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Uh, First question here is from, here we go. I scrolled up when I should not have scrolled. This is from Omar017. Where were you when you first heard LeBron had signed with the Lakers? First thoughts. All right, so We had thought, or I had thought, based on some of the stuff that I heard, that LeBron was going to make his decision early, I think it was like Monday or Tuesday. He wound up making that decision on a Sunday. I believe this was right before 4th of July, or right on. It was was pretty close to to that date. So there was a 4th of July uh, pool party that we had with some friends of ours, out there in Anaheim, they, they they live at a really cool apartment complex called the George, and it has like a Las Vegas style pool on top of the building. And they were having like a Las Vegas style pool party to to celebrate July Fourth, complete with DJ and way younger people than myself, who look way better than me with their shirts off. Uh, I was I we were just I, I felt like a fish out of water while I was in water unfortunately, but we were having a great time and we started to, I started to, to get a couple of messages here and there, like, uh, you might want to be near a computer. Well, that was great. And because of that, because of him making his decision two days earlier, and I kind of had a feeling at that point, at that time of year, any blogger listening to this knows that you take your computer or some type of apparatus to by which to type with you wherever you go. And I was at a pool party, a Las Vegas-style pool party in Anaheim, like a stone's throw from uh, from Angel Stadium. And 
uh, I get the I get a first a couple texts and then I get the Woj notification. LeBron has just made his announcement. We saw the the press release that they sent out there via Clutch. So you had all of this going on. I'm here with young people music playing really, really loudly, by the way. And I had to sit behind the DJ booth so that because the speakers were facing in one direction, I was on the other side of it, so it wasn't quite as loud. So I was sitting there behind a beat DJ booth, kind of huddled up, typing out uh, LeBron James articles, LeBron tent, <laughs> in like really hot weather. Uh, my wife and I had promised each other that because we had known, I mean, just about anybody uh, every, a lot of people out here were, were acting as if that was a, a decision that had been made well in advance. So we knew that what the decision probably was going to be. Uh, we were just kind of in the dark about when it would actually happen. So <laughs> uh, I had told Jen, all right, whenever this actually goes down, we'll take a shot of whatever uh, as a celebratory thing. Uh, low, little did I know, though, that I would have to be writing and will have been day drinking well in advance before this. So the articles that I wrote uh, after the LeBron stuff went down uh, were were of the fun variety. I'll put it that way. Uh, but it was it was a great time. It was in my first thoughts that Omar is asking for my first thoughts. Honestly, like even while I knew and, and all of you guys can relate to this even while we knew or had an idea or everything was kind of leaning towards the Lakers landing LeBron you don't want to be you don't want to get your hopes up you don't want to be let down like that and and even still like to this day I'm waiting for some kind of news to drop that David Stern has vetoed LeBron James signing in LA Uh, I'm kidding that is not how the CP3 thing went but who's still upset about that Definitely not me. Anywho, but that's where I was. It was it was a blast. We we got right back to celebrating after it was done. Uh, the DJ made an announcement, and this is actually kind of funny because he makes this announcement, but everybody's there on their phones. By the time the DJ made the announcement, Bleacher Report and all these other uh, platforms have already sent out notification that LeBron James has committed to sign with the Lakers. So the DJ goes hops on the mic and. Any Laker fans out there? And everybody, everybody's, yeah, woo. And then he goes, LeBron James is a Laker. And everybody goes, we know, but thank you. This is cool. Go back to playing music. <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting sign. All right, let's, uh, let's answer one more question here before we send us into the break. Uh, this is from A-M-R-N-O-M. Who do I expect to have the biggest impact off the bench, Kuzma or Hart? So I think that... In terms of impact, Hart, I think, is going to do more to impact the game because of what he's capable of doing on the defensive end. Now, if Kuzma becomes a league average defender, now all of a sudden you're talking about one of the more valuable role players in the sport because of the contract that he'd be playing on. So if if Kuzma turn you know turns his defense around and and what we started to see from him at the end of last year is more of the norm, then I think he is the more impactful player. But as it stands right now, given what Hart is capable of in terms of hitting three pointers and playing defense all over the court, I, I think uh, Hart is the 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 sure bet uh, between those two guys coming off the bench. We're gonna take a quick second here. 
And when we come back, I'm going to give my thoughts. That this is from JM24 about Julius Randle. Basically, what what happened there? Why why did how how why did it play out the way that it played out? So I'll, I'll get to that here in a second. All right, so again, this is from JM24. Like many Laker fans, I'm disappointed that we were unable to keep Julius Randle. Why do I think the Lakers decided not to push for him in the team's future as a, as a part of the team's future? Do I think he'll be an all-star in the future? What weaknesses in this game do you see that he may not be able to improve? All right, so I'll, I'll try to answer this as quickly as I can. Basically with the Lakers, and this has been a thing that predates Magic and Palenka, but I feel like it's it's kind of it's it's reached the end degree under under this current front office. If they see you as somebody who is a part of the team's long-term future, then you're a made man, right? You're you're good to go. You they will absolutely go to bat for you uh almost no matter what, right? Uh, but if if they don't necessarily see it that way, it's it's I, I can I have heard from multiple you know from people who talk to multiple players and stuff that that they feel like you're on the outside looking in. Brooke Lopez had that frustration and and you see what happened there. He was that was not really an option there. Julius Randall. Now some of this has to do with Julius Randall's agent, uh, who I I frankly I think shouldn't be employed for for too much longer uh given the the reputation he's kind of building for himself i mean you don't burn you don't burn a bridge as a as a as an agent who wants a future in the nba you don't burn a bridge with the lakers you just don't but that's that's a a different conversation altogether when it comes to randall though it seems like his camp felt like he was he was on the outside looking in with the lakers and and it's really kind of too bad you kind of hoped Apparently there was a meeting between Julius Randle and Magic Johnson right when Magic took over that Magic wasn't didn't think that went very well and I was hoping over the course of a year in which Randle really proved his value not just to the Lakers but to in in the context of the modern NBA as a whole you hoped that Magic or Palinka or the the rest of the front office would kind of wake up and say okay yes we 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 didn't start this off on the right foot Let's see if we can improve this moving forward. That apparently didn't happen, and Julius Randle is now a New Orleans Pelican where, look, I think he's going to blossom. I I, I had a tweet that went viral for the wrong reasons because people kind of took it out of context, but I basically said that, in my opinion, the kind of guy who makes a ton of sense to play alongside Julius Randle is Anthony Davis. He is a great rim protector. He can provide floor space. I mean, he's going to be great with anybody he plays with. But for Randle especially, uh, he he does a lot of the things that Randle need. The the he fills a lot of the holes in Randle's game. And I it's it's just watch. You're gonna you're gonna see a ton of those. Wow, is this? How did the Lakers just lose this guy for nothing? kind of situations you're going to see a ton of those tweets those articles those those think pieces and and it's going to hurt a little bit but we'll see we'll see I'm, I'm i'm definitely still pulling for randall and then regarding the holes in this game that i don't know if he'll ever be able to to fully improve on 
he, he's not going to get longer, right? So the room protection, I don't think, is ever really going to come. Uh, I'm I not particularly sure about his shooting turning around to where he is. He, he'll keep defenses honest. I don't really see that. Uh, I, I'm, I want to believe in his, his effort consi- staying consistent on the defensive end, but that's that was a knock on him last year. That it's very obvious when a possession starts how that defensive possession is going to go with Randall, and and I don't know if that's ever going to be something that he fixes completely. But again, I'm pulling for him. I think he's going to be great out there in New Orleans alongside Unibrow. Uh, that'll be a really fun combo, hopefully for years to come. It's a bummer that he isn't a Laker now. And and again, I just don't if he when he comes again. To, to Staples Center, like there's going to be people who boo. Don't be one of those people. Like you don't understand the context under which all of these young guys, whether it's D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, uh, when Thomas Bryant visits, whatever, you don't understand the, the context under which they departed and, and how much of that decision was made up without their own. I mean, in D'Angelo Russell's case, he was he was literally traded, so he had nothing to say on the matter. So, all right, next question. Uh, this is from Lakers, Dodgers, Raiders. Uh, what kind of in-season deal might you see the Lakers making? Uh, Majinka have made one both years. He's They've been in charge now, not necessarily asking for a specific target, but could you see them giving up? What could I see them giving up and for what kind of piece? Or do I think it's more likely they stick with their current roster this year? All right, so I, I think when it comes to the trades that the Lakers are going to be making, the one thing that you always have to keep in mind is their top priority is to remain flexible moving forward. And so long as that remains their top priority, that kind of ties their hands a little bit with the types of players that they might potentially target. Uh, I, I do think it makes sense to, to look into a, a more – league average center uh i i'd, I'd kind of like to target that as an, as an option if lonzo ball has injury issues again and rondo becomes your primary point guard with alex caruso as the primary backup i'm not really thrilled with that situation so if if lonzo's injuries kind of linger maybe they they look at a backup point guard kind of situation but I, I think for the most part, they, they play out this season. They see what they have here with the kids, and and they head into next offseason with as much flexibility as possible to hopefully land Kawhi Leonard. So that's how I, that's how I think I see this one playing out. We're going to take another quick second here, and when we come back, we will answer. I will try to answer. I'm going to have to move kind of quickly here, but I'm going to try to answer all of the questions that you guys sent in. Thank you so much again for sending those. Hang tight. We'll be back here in a second. All right, so here's uh, this is from Dillmatic23. This is uh, a, a new follower and a new fan uh, because of Cleveland's move to the Lakers. Uh, the first of many questions, I guess, is do I think it's possible people are underrating this Lakers team? I think the floor for this team is the sixth seed, and they can even get to the two seed. What do I think? I think the floor for them is the eighth seed. And I think the the ceiling for them is the two seed, and it's because of this. It's it's obviously in part because of the talent that I see on this roster, 
But I also think the West is going to be so jumbled that any the difference between the two seed and the eight seed is going to I th- I could see it being as few as four you know three or four games, and if that's the case, any little slip up can can make a team that might have the statistics of of a four or five seed might drop them all the way down to the eight seed. They it, a team that gets hot at the right time of year while the other teams kind of tread water or or have those the the kind of slip up that I just mentioned that can launch you from the seven or six seed up to the three or four seed, right? And and so it wouldn't shock me really how how these things these things would play out. I think really the Lakers have the biggest gap between floor and ceiling of anybody in the Western Conference. And it's going to be fascinating to see how this all comes together. Next question comes from Lake, a few underscores show. What do I think the environment will be like during Paul George's first game here? Lots of booze. All right, so <laughs> I just said in, uh, in the last segment that I don't – I prefer people not boo Julius Randle. And I got annoyed when they booed D'Angelo Russell last year. With Paul George, I am all uh, 100% on board with the boos. Not just, you know, because of the scorned lover aspect of all of this. Like, that's that's whatever. But that documentary was so <laughs> terrible. It was so bad. It was so boring. And it was so contrived. Uh, it was just, it was, it was really lame. It was awful. And so for making me, as somebody who has to aggregate these things and, and keep a close eye on these, by making me have to watch that crap, I'm I'm asking... All Laker fans out there who are at that game to boo from the depths of their 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 guts, sent, let it be known how you feel about that because that that documentary was was just a disaster. It was so bad. It was almost mockumentary bad. Like it was so so self serious that you thought there's no way they can possibly be bad, this bad at putting together content. Next question here comes from Vontae35. Can you briefly descri- discuss how insanely hyped the entirety of Laker fandom will be if Brandon Ingram drops 40 points in the Lakers' first game? I mean, it's going to be insane. Although I, I think with Ingram, one of the things I've really noticed here with Ingram is a reluctance, and it might be, it might be this is because of this how this is how I feel about it. But I've noticed a reluctance with Ingram to really fully buy in because of how giant a gap there was between how he played in his first season versus the heights that he that he reached in his second. And with such a gap there, with so with with so much, I guess, uncertainty for lack of a better term right now. I think fans are a little iffy on, all right, we'll just wait and see what we have here. And even in, in good performances, you're going to see a lot of, all right, well, let's just, let's string a few of these together. I, I think, it, you know, to, to compare it, if Kuzma goes out and drops 40, everybody's going to freak out about it, right? If, if Lonzo has like a, a triple-double and dominates in his first game, now you'll start to see people really buy into it. But for whatever reason, I've noticed with Brandon Ingram, a little bit more wait-and-see approach compared to the other guys. Next question here comes from Bruin Writer. Uh, oh, nope. One more second. 
Let's go uh, No Probs 4. As a new Lakers fan, I, I love listening to the show for insight. Thanks for that. My question for the show is, if given the chance, would you rather have the current young core of the Lake, that, that the Lakers have in Lonzo, Kuzma, Hart, and Ingram, or Boston's young studs in Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, and Marcus Smart? I like Brown and Tatum a lot. A lot. I think Rozier is kind of whatever. Marcus Smart also kind of whatever. So if uh, the basic, basically the way I would rank those guys is I like Ingram above all of them, followed by Jason Tatum, followed by Jalen Brown, followed by Lonzo, and then Kuzma, and then Hart, and then Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart. That's how I would how that's how I would rank those. And and they wind up being you know, net neutral. The one thing that, that I, I, I keep on harping on when it comes to the conversation about Boston's young guys is it makes such a huge difference to have played even a portion of the season with Kyrie or, or the postseason success that they had, I think had a lot to do with Al Horford being really effing good at basketball. And the culture has been put in place to where all of these guys can thrive and reach their absolute ceilings. And they deserve a ton of credit for all of that, putting all of that in place. And and next year, I think, in my opinion, that the Celtics are, are my early vote for team most likely to come out of the East. So, all that said, I can't wait to see what, what LeBron does for Ingram or for Kuzma or for Lonzo and, and, and what new ceiling, what how we have to reevaluate these guys now that they have a legitimate superstar and, and also role players that make sense alongside them and also growth collectively. That's also going to impact those guys uh, and and what we see from them. So that's the order I would put them in. I would put the, the Celtics young core slightly ahead of the Lakers young core, not by much, and, and honestly, it's a coin flip. I, I, I could ask this. I could be asked the same question tomorrow, and I might feel differently about it. But like Lonzo Ball's injury thing kind of makes me a little nervous. Uh, Ingram missed quite a bit of time last year. And as I said earlier, there's that huge difference between his second year and, and, and first year. And that makes me a little nervous. So, so I think at the top end, Boston's young core is, is a, a little bit safer bet but as you i think the lakers core is is deeper which matters it, it really does <clears throat> this is from bruin writer 78 uh, i don't know how these guys can continue to find interesting content during the dog days of summer but they do uh that's thank god for player reviews <laughs> in response to anthony's take on d'angelo russell versus julius Randle, i have to ask the following questions one assuming russell somehow becomes a league average defender cleans up the dumb force turnovers and can get to the rim effectively how many nba point guards will still be better than him two assuming Randall learns to pass out of the double teams better and stops committing charging fouls how many small ball fives will be better than him three if every team has multiple point guards and only a handful of teams have an effective small ball five, doesn't that change the relative value of these players? Yes, absolutely, to that last question. Randall's skill set is extremely rare, and that's why it was so frustrating that Randall is no longer on the Lakers. Regarding those guys, like, if they reach their fullest potential, where do they rank among NBA players at their position? I would say Randall would be a top five center if all of that stuff comes true. And I would say D'Angelo Russell would be a top 10 point guard 
in in the grand scheme of things because of how deep that that position is. So I think they both have a ton of I, I think if I had to if I had to wager on who is most likely to figure it out, I think it's Randall. Uh, I still do like D'Angelo Russell's game, though the injuries are are also concerning there, right? I, if I'm going to talk about Lonzo's injuries, I should probably also mention uh, D'Angelo Russell's. Next question here comes from Huli underscore O. If you were the general man- manager of the Los Angeles Lakers and were given the chance to bring Nick Van Exel back in his prime, would you do it under the condition that you had to re-sign Luol Deng for an additional four years at the same cap space? I'm sorry. I... This is mean. I <laughs> I would love to have Nick Van Exel back. He is so much fun, but I don't want to have to deal with Lou Aldang for another four years. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't write. Like it made me sad to write the article that he was hoping to showcase what he's capable of in the NBA Africa game. Like that. That hurt me personally to have to write that. Next question comes from Marcelo three twenty eight. Since we have a very distinct group of young guys and a very distinct of uh, distinct group of veterans, which veteran would you pair up with which younger Laker, and what quality skills characteristic would you want the younger player to learn from the vet? For example, Lonzo could learn to have Rondo's intensity. So, I think with with Lonzo, what I would want him to learn from Rondo is how to still be effective without being able to shoot, uh, attacking space. Um, figuring out angles, even while the defense is trying to cut those angles off, like that's that's a really valuable skill set, and also like the floater game. I like I like Rondo's floater game. Uh, for for Josh Hart and and the guy I would want him to to kind of learn from here, I guess would be KCP. And from KCP, I would I would want him to learn how to. Man, I don't even know. I think I think Hart's going to be better than KCP this year. I think I'm I'm willing to go out there, and and to give that take. Uh, if for Kuzma and Ingram, obviously learn everything from LeBron. Just pick his brain at every get like potential moment, and go from there. I think I think that's how you you answer that question. I think that about does it. Let's go. Let's move on. Uh, this is from Canon Five D Two. I've always felt that Mike D'Antoni robbed Lakers fans of two good years of Kobe because of him pushing Kobe to play forty five minutes a game, which led to the Achilles injury. I hope Luke doesn't make the same mistake with LeBron. Uh, yeah, basically, we extend LeBron's career. I don't know if I would agree about the D'Antoni thing. Kobe was such a force of nature that. Like he was just he, I, I'm sure if Mike D'Antoni tried to sub him out, he wasn't coming out of the game, or any game down the stretch of that. It was, and honestly, like that, people really sleep on on how good he was over that stretch there. And when people say that you know maybe Kobe might not have been able to adjust to the modern NBA, like you just point to that stretch there and 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 call those people idiots. Uh, but but with LeBron's minutes, to me, it's about. It's not just about the number of minutes, but the type of minutes that he plays out there. Like if the lay, if if his usage rate is such that he's creating for everybody, and for himself, and doing all of you know all the late game heroics, that makes me really nervous because that stuff takes a toll. But if he's able to play, like I would rather him play forty minutes of basketball in which Brandon Ingram creates for people, Lonzo creates for people, Rondo creates for people, and 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 
James has more of a an even approach to the game on both sides of the ball, a more balanced approach to the game on both sides of the ball, then I think you you take those 40 minutes a game. I still think it's high, but I'd rather have 40 minutes of that than like 32 minutes a game of just balls to the wall, having to, to drag the Lakers to the playoffs in the same way that he drug Cleveland to the finals. Next question here comes from Never Worry 24. <clears throat> how long do I think it would take, or in other words, how many rings does LeBron have to get before we as Laker fans start saying he is better than Kobe? And I don't mean the ESPN analysis. I this is this shouldn't be a hot take at this point, but I, I think LeBron is better than Kobe. I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's not to say that Kobe isn't really good. I think I I still have Kobe in my it's six to thirteen of all time range, and LeBron is like in the one to three range, and. Uh, I, but for Laker fans, like casual Laker fans, I, I, I honestly think that there are fans out there who are just never going to come around on LeBron. And like, it's a bummer. I think that's a, a crappy way to watch basketball, but you know, to each their own. I can't, I can't really judge. Next question here comes from a really odd name. Uh, I listened to your conversation with you, with Pete about your favorite Laker moments, and, and it made me wonder about this. Was there ever a moment during the recent dark ages of Laker basketball where you thought to yourself, man, how can it get any worse from here? I mean, literally every Byron Scott coach game. It's like, this can't get it. Oh, it got worse. It was, it was, this last five years reminded me of that, of that cliched joke that you always see of, like, somebody reaches the bottom and... And they crash land at the bottom and they say to themselves, well, at least I know it can't get any worse. And then it starts raining <laughs> in, the, in the character, almost has nothing else to do but laugh at like, oh, that was dumb of me, right? Uh, but but that's kind of how I felt over these last five years. It's like every time you thought you reached a new bottom, you were looking up at that bottom a week later. And, and I'm just happy that it's over. Last question here before I completely lose my voice. This is from D3DS. This isn't necessarily Lakers related. What does it take for you to block someone on Twitter uh, just for stating an opinion? What what can you do to get unblocked? So there are certain opinions that I that like like if somebody's standing for Lance Stevenson, like I just don't want to hear that. So they usually get the block button. Anybody who stumps for that one guy, uh, I won't go any further on that. And yeah, anywho, that's a block. And and more more generally speaking, if you if I feel like it's an ad hominem attack. Like if you if you jump from if you jump from the the topic at hand and immediately start kind of disparaging me as a person, like you shouldn't be surprised if you get the block there, right? And I think it's the lamest thing when people, "Oh, he's soft. He he blocked me for this." I'm like, hey. No, it's just that I don't, I don't want, I don't want that toxic toxicity in my life. I can't, I'm not paid to deal with that crap. So, uh, and then regarding like being unblocked, I, I don't really know. I at this point, like I went back through and I unblocked a, a few people. There are some people that like when they pop up and I remember what they were blocked for. Like there's just some people who are just always going to remain that way. But if maybe I was in a bad mood, and and. I went on a blocking spree and you just maybe happened to catch that 
say something to Harrison. He's usually pretty good at passing that along to me, and and I'll and I'll and I'll look back and think back on what might have happened there. But but yeah, I I prefer basketball conversations to just blocking people. But unfortunately, a lot of people just jump right to calling me an idiot or calling me stupid or D'Angelo Russell stan or make homophobic slurs or whatever. Uh, I, I, I'd rather not have that in my life. <sighs> we did it. I emptied the mail, the inbox. I answered all the, all the questions I could. Thank you so much for sending those in. To whoever is, is rating number 500, send me a screenshot, and I'll figure out something to do. Maybe if I design a shirt or something, I'll, I'll send a, a shirt that way. Uh, thank you, everybody, again, for all the support. Today's show... Uh, and and as this as we move deeper into the week, we'll talk. I'll talk a little bit more about my relationships with Ease.com and with Shady Rays. Uh, all of that stuff should be coming hopefully in the next couple of days uh, as we get back into the player profiles and player uh, previews. Hope you guys have enjoyed those. And if you've missed any of them, go back and listen to them. They've been pretty good so far. I've really enjoyed how those things have come out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you again mañana.